if I ask you a question, what do you see when you look in the mirror? <laughs> you go, boy. <laughs> Lord, I'm changing my message to pride. <laughs> you know what? Oftentimes, when, when things happen, when we're going through things, the image changes. How many of you have seen the image change? Now, you know what I'm talking about in terms of what do you see when you look in the mirror. And I think sometimes for some of us, we have a hard time looking in the mirror because we don't like what we see. And we don't like what we see because of things that we know is true about us. Things that we believe other people think about us, what they say about us. And from that, we, we look in the mirror and we, we don't like what we see all the time. We're told, we know what we're told. For Christ's sake, we've, we've been at this for some time now. Pull your bootstraps up. Tell yourself. Do better. Come on, you got something to live up to, now live up to it. And all of these phrases don't really transform us. They, they, they actually just keep at an arm's distance the thing that actually can transform you is the invitation of the one who created you. The truth of the matter is, is that every one of you were born in God's image. But not only you, the people that you don't like. The person that you want to be was also created in God's image. And I feel like we live most of our life, listen, trying to get over there to the person we want to be that's created in God's image. And we hustle and we bustle and we apply this and we work that out. And the whole time of our life is just this, this uphill battle of trying to get to a person that we believe is created in God's image. That's created in the identity whose life is hidden in Christ. Who, who has been baptized, sealed, and filled with the Holy Spirit. And we just find ourselves in this treadmill. Believing the lie that this person was also created in God's image. And if you're a believer, this person is filled with the Holy Spirit and sealed unto the day of redemption. This person is the one who God's called chosen. Why do we spend so much time and, and heartache trying to get to a figment of a non-reality while we won't believe what he says about us now. It's important for you and I to believe what God says about you now. Because if you believe what God says about you now, you can spare yourself some years. You can spare yourself some work. Our culture, according to magazines and social media, says it's all on the exterior. God says it's all on the interior. He says, what you call ugly, I call beautiful. 
What you call unredeemable, I call redeemable. What you call nasty, I call beautiful. Can you imagine being Jose uh, having to marry Gomer? <laughs> That's who we are. We are Gomer. We are the prostitutes who forsook God. But yet Christ, like Hosea, comes to us and redeems us, washes us, cleans us up. There is a, a, a movie called Redeeming Love built upon the book by Francine Rivers who spells this out beautifully. Now the movie is adult. Okay, I don't want you to go and be surprised by anything, but it is. But the story is our story. You were the woman at the well. You were Zacchaeus. You were Paul. Were. Were. Are? I don't know. You have to figure that out. But I was dead in my sins. Now I'm alive in Christ. No, no, no. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Holy Spirit, come now and reveal this word to us. Set it deep in our spirit. Set it deep in our psyche. Set it in our mind so that we know without a shadow of a doubt who we are. Amen. Amen. Do you see someone who's bold or timid? Do you see someone who's a sinner or do you see someone who's righteous? Do you see someone who's worthy or unworthy? Do you see someone who loves to pray or hates to pray or has trouble reading their word or is, is in love with the word? Who do you see? If you answer that, you probably will say both. Because most of the time, listen to me, we settle for a dualistic experience rather than a holistic one. Much of what I see in the church today is dualism rather than holistic. And God didn't create you to be double-minded. Matter of fact, James 1 verse 5 said, Well, if any man lacks wisdom, let him ask God who has it all. will generously give it to you. Do you know that you have a God when you need something? He will lavishly pour it on you. It says this, it says, and says, it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith without doubting. For the doubter is like, what? A surging sea, driven and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Being double-minded and unstable, think about how many times you've, You've crossed that rocky ground, that tossed sea. How many times you've realized it's in your own self and you, first thing you do is to try to fix it on your own. It never works. I've tried to quit things before. You ever tried to quit something in your own power? And you, know, you just crumple it up, throw it out the window. And then that urge hits you again and it's like... <laughs> I'm so weak. Just give in. Give it to me. I suck. I'm a terrible person. Might as well just, oh, this makes me feel so much better. 
You haven't understood that your life in Christ is not in your own effort. Your life in Christ is singular. It's not dualistic. If you and I are to live a holistic life, and you know what I mean by holistic, I, I, I'm not saying it's, um, it's this, this it, it comes, but I'm not saying it's H-O-L-I-S-T-I-C. It's this whole, I am one with myself. You know that God, when he saved the woman in Samaria and set her free from the stuff, he called her out. He, he knew what was going on, all the husbands that she had. Called her out, gave her a drink of water. It was himself. I am the water. You will never thirst again when you drink of me. <laughs> Would you take a sip of that drink with me today? Would you just push away all of the worldly stuff and all the stuff that you're trying to grab to and just drink from his well today? Thank you, Jesus. Most of our identity has been formed by what we think of ourselves. Without you even thinking about it, you tell yourself who you are because it's in your subconscious. And your subconscious has all of these wounds, all of these stuff, all of this, you know, junk, patterns, processes, protocols, procedures, they're all there. And they inform you and I on what and who we think we are. Trauma does this. Trauma influences our identity. Circumstances uh, inform our identity. All of these things inform our identity. So, so most of us are formed in, in our identity by what we think of ourselves based on how we feel. Our experiences in life, what people say about us. Have you broken out of that one to live despite of what people say about you? Woo! Boy, you'll get some freedom on that one. This type of identity, though, this, this being formed by what you feel, by what you think, and by what experiences that you've been through, this is not God's idea of identity. This is not God's idea of identity. It was never part of God's plan or purpose for our life, but, but something was the result of the fall in the garden. Now, most people live somewhere between the fall and redemption. They live somewhere between grace and a sinful nature. And as appeasing as that sounds, it's not biblical. Let me explain to you why it's not biblical. Because the work of Jesus that he did on the cross, he did not free you to partially bind you. No. He did not do that. You, you don't get all of him and, 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 and all of what he has done because when you realize that it's not on your effort, it's all on him. This is why it's a gift. For the grace of God is a gift. It's a gift. You ever gotten a gift and just kind of threw it away? Because you didn't like it. This gift of himself is not one to throw away. It's one to be holistically formed in. Amen? The first thing that happened when Adam ate from that tree of the knowledge of good and evil was his eyes were opened. And he saw himself gross, naked, 
for the first time. The Lord showed me several years ago that his church still suffers in a fig leaf mentality. And when the believer still suffers in a fig leaf mentality, there's a part of you that you don't like, but you try to cover it with something natural. You ever done that? It is the most innate human thing to do. You know what? As a kid, you don't have to be told to do that. You don't have to be educated to do that. All human beings, because of the fall, were born with an innate tendency to hide something that they don't like. And it's knowledge. It's, it's seeing. It's understanding. As much as uh, we love kids, they are born terrible. Newsflash, kiddos. Get saved. Quick. But the point is, is you and I, listen to me, the point is, is you and I grow up with childhood tendencies and birth tendencies that never were informed in Christ. And so you have 60 and 70 and 80-year-old Christians who still use the theory of fig leaves to cover and to work out what they don't like about themselves in order to gain approval with God. I ask you a question. Can God see through a fig leaf? Why do we try to hide that which Christ has healed? Why do we try to hide that which the cross has broken? You don't have to be taught to do this. You just do this until there's a renewing of your mind. Your battlefield is in your mind. And everything that you experience out in this world, it comes into your mind and it leaves scars or you kick it out. It holds you captive or you take it captive and you tell it where to go. When you understand that there's power in your mind and the mind has to be renewed and power in the spirit comes when you renew your mind. By what? The washing of of who he is and what he says about you. There's a supernatural thing that happens. Are you getting this, Kyler? I need you to listen to this. Adam became self-conscious of his new sinful nature and started defining his identity by what he saw and did instead of what God said about him. Your identity is formed in two places. In what you do and what you say, or in what he's done and what he said. This, isn't, this is not an issue, a doctrinal issue about the doctrine of sin. This is the doctrine of freedom and salvation. That's what this is. And most people want to settle for some. They have to leave some opening for sin. Now, what do you do with sin? What do you do with it? You turn the light on. Thank you, Doug. You're just so right with me today. What do you do with sin? You turn the light on. 
Stop fixing in your flesh what is dead. If you try to serve God through the flesh, it only leads to more sin. And the problem just increases and increases like the moss and the stone that rolls downhill. And before you know it, you're looking at this gigantic thing coming at you and you say, help. I loved when my life, when I came to that place of help. I loved the man who prayed, help my unbelief. Because it's your unbelief that doesn't want to agree with what God has said. Hallelujah. As a born-again believer, your identity in Christ is the very life and nature of Jesus inside of you. We can no longer be Christians with Jesus living on the outside of us and on the inside of us in sometimes. Because if you do, you're going to be dualistic and you're never going to receive a holistic life. You're never going to walk fully and wholly in him. You say, well, what about, what about, what about, what about, what about that, what about that, what about that? It's clear. Don't go on sinning so that grace may abound. Stop it. Put it in its place. Your flesh is dead. You are alive in Christ. Live that way. Think that way. You say, that's, that's tough to do. You don't understand. I ask you a question. Have you truly been saved? <laughs> I see more people who vacillate between death and life. And my question is, is are you truly converted? And I think most people are converted. They just haven't been transformed and renewed in mind. It's understanding that who you are as a person isn't depending on isn't dependent upon anything you've done, but on who Christ is in you and what He's done on the cross. When you're saved, God doesn't didn't just change you into a better person. We like a behavioral modification gospel than a holistic gospel. We like, honestly, churches do better. Actually, you want to know the truth? Churches actually grow faster when there's behavioral methodology preached. Why? Because you have to be subservient to everything I tell you you need to do. That's why there's a difference between high school and university. University presents the case and says, you do what you want. We could care less. You're giving us your money. Care less if you fail or not. But in high school, you better pass it. I'm on. Mm. That's why when you learn that parenting isn't really about behavior modification as much as it is as gospel influence. Did the Samaritan woman, the woman of Samaritan, change because she stopped fooling with those men? No. She changed because she drank from the well that won't run dry. And guess what happened? She went back and was glad to tell everybody about what she had done. That's revival. Guess what? The town came with her to see this man. Why? Because people aren't necessarily looking for rules and regulations in order to change. They're looking for a drink. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. When you're saved, 
Jesus doesn't give you a better you. He gives you Christ in you. Christ in you, Blake, is the hope of glory. You can't quit nothing. You can't quit nothing. You can't quit nothing. He can. You know why, Blake? It's because when he comes in, he fulfills every desire. He fulfills it. Romans 6, 6. I want you just to hear the word. This is not Tim Dodd preaching right here. Romans 6, 6. He put to death your old nature on the cross. Agree with that and you'll live. Agree with that and you'll enter Christianity 2.0. He put to death your old sinful nature on the cross, washed away your sins with his blood for all time and came to live inside of you. You need to understand how you were first created. 1 Thessalonians 5.23 Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. And may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord. Whose job is it to keep you blameless? Not yours. It's his job. Why do you fix things that are dead? We take the jumper cables and try to jumpstart our life back into the, a, a fiery place that we once were in our 20s when God was all over us. And he says, I don't work that way. I am the fire in you. Believe it. We suffer more by what we say against the word than what we believe it to be. We do. We do. We do. We do. The moment you received Christ, your spirit became one with God's spirit. <laughs> Y'all were, da were dazed on that one. I got to come back to that one. I'm just reading the word. This is 1 Corinthians six seventeen. The moment you received Christ, your spirit became one with God's spirit. And you became one. A new creation. Now, it's time for you to talk to yourself. Because your identity is not on the shelf at Target. Are you? Amen. I'm just telling myself, girl. Your identity is not on TikTok. Your identity is not in the number of follows. Your identity is not taken out by the likes that you don't have. Your identity is not taken out by, by what people say about you. Your identity is a person, and his name is Jesus, and it's time to get to know Jesus. It's time. Now, let me give you one quick way. Hold on. Go there, Doug. I'm going to read through these. And this is, this is the word. So, for this reason, I bow my knees. What reason? Paul mentions it beforehand. This is what he said. You ready for this? He says, because the light has come to earth. 
hey, you didn't go to it. You didn't make a temple for him to come. You didn't buy it on the shelf. It came to earth. Watch. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith that you, having done all, having done all, having done all, don't work, don't put an effort into it, you just now got to stand because Christ has got you rooted and grounded in love. You are loved if you are in Christ. You are so loved. If you would now look in the mirror and see what you're rooted and grounded in, you would be happy. You might even go <laughs> without pride in your heart. May have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth. That's pretty deep. That's pretty wide. That span is immeasurable. And to what? Where? 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 In your mind, to know the love of Christ that what? Surpasses the English books. Surpasses what they say out there. That you may be filled with the fullness of God. Show me the lack. Show me where you're lacking. You can't. You have unbelief. Your lack is not substantial. Your lack is unbelief. Next slide. Here we go. Let's say this together. One more time. Ready? I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, <laughs> by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Stop right there. In this, God, through Paul, is not telling the church to get themselves ready so that God will accept them. He's saying this, your presenting of your body is not dead, it's alive through Christ. So when you come to worship, when you understand what worship is, you're just agreeing with the life that's in you. Do not be conformed to this world but be transformed by the, say it again. Okay, watch this. There are people who are believers in Christ, but they have yet been renewed. They've yet been renewed and transformed. That by the testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Now watch this. Don't be confused because I'm going to end this right quick. The will of God is not on you to do. How do I know this? 
Father, not my will, but your will be done. Nevertheless, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. Who delivered Jesus through all of it? It was the Father. When you engage with God, he engages what's already there. And the will of God is what? Perfect, acceptable, and good. The will of God is not for you to work for salvation. The will of God is not for you to build anything. The will of God is for you to walk in Jesus that is good, that is perfect, and it's acceptable. Therefore, you have an internal forming that's happening that says, you who formed me in my mother's womb, this, this work that you're being faithful to complete until the day of Christ Jesus, because of Christ, I am good. I am, I'm going to say it, I'm perfect. And I'm acceptable. Yes, you are. Remember the courtroom when the old accuser just was just pointing his finger at you and said, you did that in 1978. You did that in 83. You did, I saw what you did last night. Look at you, you miserable. And there, there's, there's another one in the courtroom. This is all of that you put on me because the cross has the final word, not guilty. Hallelujah. Oh, man. True freedom comes when you know the truth, not when you try harder. True freedom comes when you know the truth, not try harder. All right. You want some practical ways to work this out? All right. I'll give you one. Here's one right here for you. Our identity versus our new identity prayer. So you and I have prayed maybe both of these, but I think we pray the left one more than the right one. Okay, and the, and the left one goes like this. It's the old identity prayer. It's focused on your old self. Watch here. It goes like this. God, and this sounds good, but it's not holistic. God, forgive me. I'm such a sinner. Please help me get free of my sin and help me stop doing this. I'm so wretched, Lord. Please cleanse me, cleanse me, cleanse me, Lord. Oh, get, help me get rid of this, God. And God goes back and he says, I have cleansed you. Do you not know? I have set you free. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Don't submit again to a yoke of slavery. Where's the hang-up with that? It's in our unbelief. It's in our innate tendency to try to fix it. Jesus, I thank you first and foremost that my mistakes do not define me. And that who I am in you is what defines me. Thank you that you have set me free from the power of sin and that I, because of you, I am in the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And you say, how is this possible? You want me to really pray like this? He says, please pray like you're a son and not a slave. Please cancel the slave mentality. You are in the house. The prodigal didn't go back to being a servant. I mean, he didn't go back to being a servant. He went back to who he was and even greater. This, this, this little message right here, it changes everything. 
It, it really does. Because you, you take a picture of that. Take, go ahead and take a picture of it. Oh, God, I'm just a miserable old sinner. You know what I would say? Get saved. You won't deal with that no more. Well, what do I do with that? He's going to work it out. He's going to work it out. You can't tell me when the Holy Spirit comes to take a residence in your life that he ain't going to be speaking to you. The problem is, is you've been taught wrong. Listen, it's either settled or it's not. You're either going to live in the image of God, trying to work to a greater image of God, or you're just going to just, you're just going to fall back into his arms. And you're just going to let grace wash over you. You're going to stop all this striving with your husband. You're going to stop all this striving with your wife. You're going to stop all this striving of what you don't have. You're going to start releasing, I am the fullness of God. I have the fullness of God. I am not lacking in my life. I have everything I need. Don't you tell me a lie that I need that in order to be happy. I have joy like a river running deep down inside of me. It changes you because you have him in you. Hallelujah. Would you pray with me? Would you stand? Thank you, Lord. Wow, man. Does this just light your fire a little bit? I end with one humble scripture. Galatians 2.20. For I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live. But it's Christ who lives in me. And the life that I now live in this old flesh. Let me do a Tim Dodd paraphrase. And the life that I now live in this flesh, I'm going to stop putting lipstick on a pig. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Lord, would you just send buckets of grace where there's hurt, where there's dis disillusionment, where there's dualistic thinking? Would, you, would your grace run supreme? in my life how do you fix sin you turn the you turn the light on I'm just saying this church keep the light on keep the light on so I just say that over our church right now that we are a city set on a hill Cheryl we're a city set on a hill we ain't gonna let no bushel be put on top of us we're going to shine bright like the diamonds. Okay, all right. Okay. <laughs> We're going to shine bright. Because it has nothing to do with me, but everything unto him and his glory. Thank you, Jesus. 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 Now, 
your old nature would want to tell you what you look like in the mirror. But that old nature is dead. And you are alive in Christ. It don't matter what you think. It matters what you think. It matters who you think. And if you think dead and dread and negative, guess what the product of your life is going to be? You're a product of your thinking. But if you set your mind on things above, <laughs> your life elevates. Your faith elevates. Your identity elevates. Come on, somebody. We bless you, Jesus. Who, will you receive this word? I'm receiving it. I'm taking this word for myself. If you want to receive this word, just, just go ahead and receive it right now. Change my heart, oh God. Change my thinking, oh God. I am dead in my sins, and I have been made alive in you. In Jesus' name. Come on, somebody. Amen.